everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelance and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Tonight, we have with us 2011 French Open Junior Champion, where, by the way, he beat Dominic Team in a great final. He's previously been in the top 100, and now with injuries hopefully behind him, he's looking back to getting within the top 100 again. It's been great catching up with him just after his appearance at the Delray Beach Open. Please welcome to the pod, tennis professional and food connoisseur, Bjorn Frantangelo. <laughs> Bjorn, I'm seeing you outside in Florida. I'm in Chicago. I'm jealous. How's everything going, man? Yeah, everything's good. Um, not too bad. It's a, it's a nice sunny day out here. Um, you know, the weather's been weather's been great. Can't ask for more. This is why people come down here, you know, in, in the winter months. Um, but yeah, no complaints at all. Well, I was wishing to see you in person in Delray. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, it didn't happen this year with COVID and everything. I covered it with a virtual credential. Um, you've played Delray Beach now quite a few times. Must have actually felt good to play a, a meaningful match in an ATP tournament, huh? Yeah, it's been a long time, um, you know, really since uh, U.S. Open 2019 was, you know, my last ATP match. Um, so I've played five events since U.S. Open 2019. So it's really been, uh, you know, with my injury and everything, it's been a little bit of a struggle. But, yeah, it was nice to, to get back. It was nice to win a match and it was nice to be on center court with some fans uh you know watching and had some atmosphere and some energy so I was really pumped about um about that and to see kind of where my level was um because you know just with the lack of matches you don't quite know um you know you feel like you practice well but you never really know until you step on the match court so I think it was good to get a couple under my belt including one in doubles too so I was pretty pleased yeah. And the level was quite high. I mean, the, the match with, I mean, you, you easily won your first round match, then you played Francis and that level was pretty high. If you ask me from a, a fan perspective. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, I definitely, you know, was up to that break in the first and then kind of had, you know, a couple sloppy games. The second set I played well and the third set, he really upped the level. And I mean, I had chances to break and everything, but <clears throat> I struggled to really, you know, stay with him in that third set. And I think that just comes from, more matches for me. I'm finding myself having these, you know, kind of peaks and dips in matches. And I think hopefully that flat lines out with the more matches that I, uh, you know, play. Yeah, for sure. If you don't mind, just kind of give a little background um, on, on how you got started playing, uh, playing the sport. I know your dad was your coach. And, and for those that don't know, it, it's true. He actually named you after Bjorn Borg. Is that true? Yeah, there's, it was, uh, it was his idol growing up and then there's a, there's a little backstory to it. Um, but I won't bore you with that. Um, but yeah, I was named after, after him. Um, and he, my dad was my coach till I turned pro. Um, so he got me into the sport, you know, it was really kind of forced upon me when I was little, I played other things, but you know, tennis was the sport that, um, probably was going to be taken the most seriously, I would say with no real goals in mind or anything, but then eventually, you know, it's, it's like this, the, the sport that you become the best at or the sport that you become good at. So you always want to play what you're good at. And for me, that was tennis. And then, you know, it just kind of stuck with it. And, and, you know, we all have that hobby that goes way too far. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Now, when you were going through your, your junior career, I mean, was something where um, the aspiration was, Hey, I'm, I want to be a professional tennis player or let's focus on, maybe going to college first. And then obviously with your success in juniors, we, uh, in the intro, I mean, I think you beat Dominic team eight, six yeah. final set French open. 
junior title in 2011. Did that kind of change your course? Yeah, it did. Um, I was always good, you know, like I finished number one in, in most age groups in juniors under 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s, had a lot of gold balls, a lot of junior success. Um, as far as the ITF tournaments go, I never really traveled all that far. I played one in, in Costa Rica that I made the finals of. I lost to Hugo Deli in there. I remember, I think that was like 2010. I won Easter Bowl made the finals of Carson losing to Marcos Giron, who's a good buddy of mine who's doing so well now. Um, and, you know, so uh, I was, yeah, I was a good player, but for me, you know, the, the decision was always going to be going to school and that kind of where it was, I, I did the whole college recruiting process, but for some reason, you know, that Europe trip, I don't, I don't really know. I kind of caught fire and, you know, ran through, um, not ran through, but, you know, went through the French and, and, you know, the match with Dominic could have really went either way, in my opinion. Um, I mean, it was, we held serve all, all the way till six all. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how that went, but, you know, it was kind of, it was a definitely a stepping stone and, and all of a sudden like a little, I would say a turning of the corner for me. Um, it was kind of when everything started to get real and, and agents started talking to me. And I think it was more so it was like, because nobody really knew who I was. Um, and then two weeks later I went home and, and I made the finals of the Pittsburgh future straight away. And then, you know, ended up, I think my ranking went from really no points to maybe 600 within a couple of weeks in the summer. So then it was all of a sudden I had a touch of future success, which, when you're 17, I think I just turned 18, you know, it's not so bad. Um, and yeah, it kind of changed my mindset to, okay, maybe I can really, uh, maybe I can really do this and, and I don't need college as the stepping stone. And my parents were also pretty big on, you know, if I was going to go to school, that I was going to go to school for school, um, you know, for my education. So then it really was, the decision was mine, but know that if you go to school, yeah, you're, you're going to play tennis. It's going to be fine, but you're also going to get a degree that's worth having. Um, so that was kind of where I really had to make a decision of, you know, I, I was strong academically in high school and, you know, through my schooling years and then, you know, but do I want to do that and take that seriously or do I want to continue this and just play tennis? And then, you know, eventually I made this decision. I'm just curious, what schools were, were you looking at? I was, I told the, the, I told Ty Tucker that I was going to go to Ohio state. So I basically had that out. I looked at, uh, Georgia. I looked at, um, UVA, but basically had it narrowed down between Ohio state and Georgia with myself leaning towards Ohio state. Yeah. And by the way, shout out Ty Tucker. I had him on this podcast. It was a really fun conversation. So for the listeners, I'm check sure out it was, yeah, he's, He's a unique individual. He's great. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I, I get along great with him. I still talk to him here and there. Um, I mean, had I gone in when it would have been my year, the team would have been incredible with myself, Buchanan, Rolla, yeah. Connor Smith, Peter Cobell. I mean, that would have yeah, been Yeah, that team was loaded. Team. That team was loaded. Yeah. Um, so, look. I know you've dealt with some injuries. Plantar fasciitis was really bad. Um, hopefully that's behind you now with the best still yet to come as your journey on this, on, on your professional career, 
what have been a few things that, that one you've been extremely proud of, and maybe one or two things that have been um, a little frustrating and, and disappointing to you as you, you know, continue on this journey? I think I'm, I'm, I'm proud of just, you know, what I've accomplished in this sport. You know, I think as tennis players and what our sport is and how the money is and kind of where the fame is and the rankings in the sport, it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that you're not doing well, or, you know, if you're a hundred in the world, it's like, it's not so great when the reality of it is there's not a lot of people like myself and there's not a lot of people, you know, like others that are in my shoes and, and have had, you know, the same success as me or maybe a little bit more or even maybe a little bit less. Um, you know, unfortunately it's kind of just the way tennis is, is made that it, it's kind of like that. But I mean, look, I've played on some of the biggest stadiums in, in the world. I've, I've won matches in grand slams. I've competed in, in all the grand slams, all the big tournaments I've played, you know, the number one in the world, you know, two times, um, you know, there's, a, you know, took one Novak, match. Took Novak three sets in Indian Wells. Yeah. I take, I, yeah. Four years ago, then played him again in 2019 there um you know with another good match I've done you know a fair bit won some challengers you know played so many of of the top guys and you know I've seen a lot of places around the world and you know that's not a uh, that's not you know something that everybody can really say um so I think for me even you know I've lost sight of that throughout the years always wanting to achieve more and and go higher you kind of take you know the results you've had and success you've had and you somehow warp it in your mind that it hasn't really been as successful as it has. Um, but, you know, I, I think as I'm getting older, I'm starting to kind of just be more comfortable with myself, you know, rather than, you know, striving for more, which I am obviously each day. It's, it's not so much of like a, like a, I need to do this. It's, it's like, uh, this is what I'm going to do. And, and this is all I can do. So where I think when I was in my younger twenties and everything in, you know, 23, 24, especially when I kind of broke top hundred and started to touch some more ATP events and stuff like that, it was like, you know, the, the striving for more became more of like a nervous, like, Oh my God, I have to do this. You know, every tournament I play, I need to show up and you do, but you also can't have that on your shoulder every time you got to play. And I think that that is also a regret of mine um, is kind of almost wanting it too much. Um, and I think, you know, that, that is probably where I've had the biggest regret looking back on my career. So I think the injury kind of, you know, everybody says sometimes injuries are blessing in, in disguise, which maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but I think it kind of just helped me know now who I am as a player and a person and just kind of be more comfortable with, with everything that's going on. That's great. And thanks for, for um, providing that insight. I will say for someone from the outside, and I, I feel like I understand the levels of professional tennis. Um, a lot of times you're always, whoever you're circled around, you're always trying to get better and you always see someone who's better and better and better than you are. And you're trying to strive. I can say that what you've experienced 99.99999% of the world will never get to experience and never be at that yeah. level in what, whatever they do. And, and like you said, it's unfortunate tennis is just kind of like that as far as prize money and it's top heavy and all that stuff. But the level you're at is absolutely insane. And the people who would, would watch people 
with rankings way lower than you, Bjorn, would be amazed at how good someone 300 in the world is, 400 in the world is, 500 in the world is. So super, super cool. And thank you for sharing that. Um, it, if you can, and I know it's different, but because we're just off of Delray right now, if you can give an example of, let's say, a practice day uh, in Delray, and then you can go in and give it a match day. Again, tennis is challenging, and you don't know until the night before when your matches yeah. are usually. So if you can kind of walk us through a, a practice day during the tournament and a uh, match day during the tournament, what's, what's a day in the life of Bjorn Frantangelo? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, this year was obviously a lot different with the new with the rules and the COVID restrictions and everything. So we were not allowed to leave the hotel um, or the site, which I had my own car, but I was able to to drive to the site and to back to the hotel. So that was interesting. But um, yeah, so I would, you know, wake up and have breakfast there at the hotel and then and then go on site and, um, you know, normally I, I would like to have, you know, one practice with my coach and then one practice with, uh, with somebody else, you know, just to kind of play points and, and, you know, see the guy's ball and then also do specific things that are more tailored made for me. Um, you know, if I can get court time, that's maybe an hour and a half to two hours. I, I like to go straight, especially just, you know, with the foot and everything now, everything's fine, but it's nice to not have to like rewarm up and, and, cool down and then have to start again. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's what I would do in this case though, since I have played so few matches and I haven't seen these guys in a long time, I, I really wanted to play a lot of points and a lot of sets. So, um, you know, I, I that's what I tried to do. I tried to play, you know, I, I tried to get hits with, uh, Tommy Paul, who's working with my old coach, Brad Stein. I hit with, uh, Hubie Hercox who won the event, obviously. Um, so I tried to get hits with, with, uh, you know, the, the good guys there. And, um, and that's what I did. That's kind of it. I would practice, you know, if I would go twice, one hour, one hour, you know, try to do some gym stuff in between, which usually they let us use a gym off site. But this year uh, with everything, there wasn't that much that we could do. So I would do the best I could with the equipment they had and then eat lunch, kind of hang out because I didn't want to just go sit in my room, um, you know, all day long. And then, you know, do the physio work when I would get back with, the guys from the ATP, um, you know, they had one physio on site, one physio at the hotel and then, you know, get on, uh, Uber eats or Postmates for dinner. And, uh, that's about it. Got it. And then match day. I mean, depending if you're first on or if you're later on, it's, you obviously won't go as hard, just warm up and practice, but you still want to maybe hit with your coach or another player typically. Yeah. Um, you know, it, either, or really I, my, my coach now, Eric Nunez, uh, was a good player in himself. He was top 200 and, and hits a great ball now. Um, so I, you know, we, him and I practice together a lot, just, just with us. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I do. If, if there is somebody that plays at the same time, yeah, I'll hit with the other guy. Um, which in the case the day I played Francis, I actually warmed up with, um, Manorino which is, you know, not the same game style as, as TFO, but it, it's fine. It's just a hit. So I would hit 30 minutes, 35 minutes, go inside, eat, you know, prepare uh, my drinks, prepare everything I need to do, then go take a shower change and then kind of just chill out till the, the match gets called and then maybe five, 10 minutes before the match start kind of getting loose, loose and, you know, get the, the blood flowing again. Got it. 
for the rest of 2021. And I know, um, gosh, by the time we're actually recording this, the time we release it, there could be a bazillion changes because it seems like things change every day. Um, As far as your goals, um, staying injury free is obviously number one. But is it hard for you to kind of have um, specific goals when you don't even know which tournaments are, are, are occurring throughout the year? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it was difficult, you know, because I had all that bulk of time. I kind of – I really healed up. My foot was 100% maybe by April or May of 2020. So I had a lot of time to practice, and obviously I used that time to practice because I just hadn't I – didn't, I didn't do it before. Um, so training all of those months leading into the two challengers that I played in Europe, uh, which I was supposed to say they're longer, but there was just scheduling mishaps and everything. I ended up coming home a little bit early and then training more until Carrie and Orlando, which those tournaments didn't go that well. And then having the whole off season by the end of the off season, I was just like beating my head against the wall. Like, Oh my God, I cannot keep doing this every single day. Like movement drills, cross court down the line. Like it's so monotonous. Um, and then you, but you know, you just do it, you, you get to it. Um, but you know, I love the fitness aspect of, of tennis and I love being in the gym. I love running. I love doing all that stuff. So, you know, there were some weeks where, where that was taking, um, that was taking more of my time because, the court I just I needed a break yeah um so it was nice when Del Rey came on the schedule the first week because obviously knowing that my ranking wasn't going to be high enough to get into uh Aussie qualies I had that and then obviously not having to play qualies either was was nice to get just straight into the main draw and then um yeah for the rest of the year I don't know um there's some challengers that I entered in Europe but it doesn't seem like nothing's easy right now so it's really hard to travel it's really hard to you know do anything i mean the atp has to jump through a million hoops to get us to go anywhere um in my opinion they need to do something like the other sports did with a bubble structure and just have x amount of events in one area and do it that way because i think just trying to keep it as normal as possible for what we do and how our sport works i don't think it's going to work yeah, until this vaccine really keeps getting rolled out. Yeah, until, until that's, you know, until everybody's comfortable with that situation and everybody opens up their borders, you know, it's it's going to be uh it's going to be like this for a while. Yeah. But no, as far I, as goals, I, I, I yeah, I mean just do do the best I can with what's given and you know, <laughs> every tournament that I play, I mean, I, it's got to be you have to make the most of it cuz you don't really have the luxury of week after week. Yeah, well, I think it's good in in listening to you, even though it got monotonous on the court every single day doing the same thing over and over again, you like staying in great fitness shape. So you had no issues being motivated, staying in shape, even with the movement exercises and off the court. So it's not like you're going to be sitting on the couch never doing it. No, 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 that's impossible for me. So so that's great. Um, Hey, I appreciate you spending time doing this. Look, we're going to get through this together. Um, just take it week by week, stay in shape, which again, you have no problem doing. I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Hopefully we'll get back to uh, normalcy sooner rather than later. I also hope you have a very long career. And even if whenever that day is done, I think everybody will look forward to seeing you and Madison 
doing a special kind of food network show <laughs> or something like that, because both of you have a career in that when, when all is said and done on the tennis court. Yeah, we, uh, we definitely eat well, that's for sure. I mean, it's a huge passion of mine. I'm obviously my last name is Italian and, and my dad was born there. Uh, my mom is Italian also. So I basically, I grew up around food and I grew up with myself sitting at the counter watching both of my parents just in the kitchen all the time. My grandma, um, the same, my dad's mom is the same. And basically all of us, uh, my cousins included, there's a lot of guys in my family. So a lot of, a lot of boys, we all know how to cook. Um, and I think that just kind of gone or went from all of us just kind of watching our family do it for years and years. So when I started living on my own, um, it was just kind of, you know, well, I have to eat. So this is what I do. And then through lockdown and, and everything, it was just like, all right, how, how, how much can I expand? And, and, you know, cause my meals are good, but normally they're pretty basic, but I was like, okay, I have all this time, like let's experiment and let's, you know, try to try to improve something else. Um, so yeah, it kind of went from there. And then I, I don't like to share as much. Obviously I don't have the same following that Maddie does. Um, but she'll, you know, post everything that we both make and, and a lot of people love it. So yeah, it's good that it's, uh, it's gotten such a, uh, audience. Yeah. I was going to say for those that don't, don't follow either you or, or Madison, just check out their Instagram. Cause they, they, they cook some unbelievable meals. So anytime, uh, you know, you want to invite me over, I'm, I'm in, I'll even pay. I'll even pay. So, <laughs> Sounds um, like a plan. <laughs> no, thanks so much, Bjorn. Um, appreciate you taking the time. And again, I know it's so much helter skelter going on right now, but, but best of luck moving forward. And I wish you, wish you much success. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon.